Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey guys, Riley here with Rule of Two. And do you love DC movies, shows, and comic books? Well, we have good news for you. DC Universe, the ultimate DC membership, is offering a special 14-day free trial to our listeners. Read over 20,000 digital comics, catch up on original series like Titans, and starting November 29th, watch their newest adult animated series, Harley Quinn. Visit www.dcuniverse.com slash podcast one and use promo code Collider. That's www.dcuniverse.com slash podcast one. O-N-E, that is, and use promo code COLLIDER to start your 14-day free trial. This code is valid through December 31st, 2019. Rule of Two is sponsored by Warner Brothers Digital Networks, the operator of DC Universe. DC Universe is only available in the U.S. Finally, finally, I have Mark Fernandez back yeah, what here up, what on up? an all-new episode of Rule of Two. Rule of Two is back, everybody. Yo, Thank yo, you for joining back, us. Back. It's episode 68. And, Fernandez, real quick before we start, we are back here. We're back. And we are thankful to be sponsored by Heroes and Villains again. 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 I love this. I am wearing the Mandalorian shirt. You are wearing – you are repping some Star Trek on I'm, the other side of the table. I'm repping some Star Trek, man. There's only like the – like – you know, when I was a kid, everybody was like, oh, you know, uh, James Bond or Indiana Jones. I would say both. Both. Both are awesome. Why can't you like yeah, both? Star Trek or Star Wars, again, uh, both. Exactly. And that's what Heroes and Villains is doing, uh, again, with us. And we have a great code for you guys. It is Rule 10. So R-U-L-E 10. If you do this at checkup, check out, I want you to know something, though. Yeah. Heroes and Villains at Heroes villains.com there's no and that's heroes villains.com that you can get all of this great stuff we have new stuff from star trek batman x-men star wars everything and we're the only code out there right now we are the only code right now out there with 10 percent. but get this there's going to be black friday sales where they might offer you 30 percent off boom plus go get that because then on top of that you get an additional 10 percent with rule 10 so you're getting 40% off. So the, the holidays are right around the corner. You guys are going to go out. You can get some Star Wars merch. You can get the, They have all new Mandalorian merch just in time for the show. Yeah. So you can get all this stuff. They might have a sale there. You can get 30% off. But on top of that, my God, 40% off, that's a lot. I'm going to do that and actually get my fiancé a bunch of Mandalorian gear. I'm not kidding yeah, either. I, first of all, I know you're not kidding. That's why I'm laughing. Um, look, uh, but you know, to, to bring this back to like a more serious place, Yeah. okay, um, because of our listeners, hmm. all right, I'm just going to be completely transparent here. Um, we did a um, – a program with Heroes and Villains uh, about a month ago. Yeah. Okay? And the top two shows uh, that were referring people and went back and forth was Collider Live. Yep. You know, which you're uh, you're a part of. Catch that every day, Monday through Friday. Yep. 10 a.m. on the Collider Live YouTube channel. That's right. Great plug. Yeah. Thank you. And Rule of Two. (laughs) Yes. Okay? So that means that the Rule of Two army came out in force. That the Rule of Two Army supported us in such a meaningful way that Heroes and Villains re-upped with us yeah. for for a, for a second sponsorship. And that's only because of the action that you guys took on our behalf yeah. um, as partners in this show. And we can't tell you how much 
We love you guys for that. We can't tell you how appreciative we are of that. And I know we don't always see eye to eye. There's a lot of people on the show that dislike me. There's a lot of people that say you're a yes man, which he's not, mm. you know, because he and I argue. That's the whole basis of the show. Is well, I'm a yes like, man, <laughs> chill man. <laughs> right, Disney right. is paying for everything, yeah, you know, kind of guy. <laughs> but look, th- th- that's what that's what uh, Rule of Two is about, yeah. you know, and. There's always two. There's us, Collider, and there's you, the audience, right? Yeah. There's Riley. There's me. Yeah, lately we've had some guests and stuff just to th- you know change it up a little bit. But bottom line is we couldn't do this without you guys. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I can't tell you how much it means to us to be able to show a little momentum with sponsors, to be able to say that – you know, we can actually try and 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 hit that dream of of break even yeah. with all this stuff. And look, you know, we just we know that it's you guys that make it possible. And you know, rant over, but thank you guys very much. Thank you from me as well. Uh, I echo everything you said, and and this kind of stuff it it helps. So you putting in rule ten at checkout at heroesvillains.com. You get some good. Holiday swag, you get Mandalorian. They have all new Mandalorian stuff and just released Star Trek Batman and Joker stuff. So we're hitting not only Mandalorian stuff perfectly because of the timing, but Batman and Joker stuff. And Star We Trek. like that Joker movie. Oh, uh, yeah, Star Trek's fine. First of all, we love that Joker movie. <laughs> if you guys haven't heard our review, yeah. uh, in the office like two weeks ago, the cinematographer and the composer were in the office. True story. Because, because I actually don't think you were there with me. I don't know. I so, wasn't. So the cinematographer and the editor uh, uh, and the composer of Joker were here in the studio doing an interview with Steve or or, right. or somebody. And I had mentioned to them how much we liked the movie, and I had mentioned to them our review. Yeah. And the cinematographer told me he listened to the entire thing. Oh, my God. That's awesome. I didn't know that. That he listened to the that entire – my day. Yeah, the entire Riley Roundtable – Joker review. Go out there. Go listen to it if you haven't heard it. Yeah. It's got a little bit of that Rule of Two vibe. We go deep into the Joker. Yep. It's a little bit of a tough conversation because it's a tough film. Yeah, it is. But, uh, but anyway, we had it. Anyway, we had it. And it was good. So there it is. Heroesvillain.com. Put in Rule 10 at checkout. You get 10% off additionally to anything else that's going on, holidays or otherwise, there at the site. And they're great for supporting us. You support them. So thank you for that. And it's Rule of Two, Episode 68. We're going to get into... The Mandalorian, because finally, finally, you and I are here talking about the first three episodes. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. And we're also going to talk about Jedi Fallen Order. You've been playing it, but we need you to set us up, because this is Rule of Two, and it's episode 68. Rise. That's right. It's episode 68. Rule of Two is here. I want to thank the chat for here because the Bink Enchilada is saying, I stand for Riley. So thank you for that, oh, my friend. Good, good. I will take that. No, 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 no. He's not saying that. He's saying I'm a Riley stand, which is exactly. even better. It's even better. It's even better. A Riley stand. I stand for <laughs> Riley. I stand for all of you in the chat for being here. Thank you for joining us. 403 right now watching us right now. That's going to keep going up because Let's get guess that number what? up, yeah. Because the two of us are finally back together. It has yeah. been weeks since not only I've seen you, you're on Sith business, but we haven't been able to talk about, truly talk about The Mandalorian, which is the meat of this episode. Yeah, yeah. And like, look, I um, there's a lot to get into with The Mandalorian. It, um, I refuse to make it a thank God The Mandalorian is here. Everything is great about it because mm. I do have issues with it. Sure. Um, but I got to tell you something. Episode two of The Mandalorian. 
I believe it's called The Child. The Child, uh, correct. Directed by Rick, and I always slaughter his Fama name. Yiwa. Fam- Fama Yiwa. Fama Yiwa. Who's the director of a movie that I absolutely love called Dope. Dope, yeah. Which it's, is one of the first movies to ever really dig into the whole Bitcoin concept. That's right. Know, yeah. uh, with ASAP Rocky, who I've worked with in the past. Um, man, what an episode that was. But look, that's jumping the gun a little bit. Um, I, I think that we should um, maybe talk about uh, spoiler heavy, right? Yeah, so I'm going to put it out there that this will be spoiler chat. Unfortunately, we did it last week. We did it on Jedi Council as well. It's a little bit difficult to avoid spoilers when you consider what it's about. So I'm going to issue the spoiler alert now if you're listening at home. You haven't seen The Mandalorian. Either one, two, three, all of them. Come back when you've seen all episodes so you can join us for this conversation because let's get into it. We have to. Otherwise, we're talking about just vagueness, and that's hard to do. So look, um, do you want – Kind of like in a good news, bad news situ- you know, type of thing. Should we go into my critiques first or should we go into the good first? I would go into the good first. All right. Let's go into the good first. I would say the good. And Well, let me, let me preface this by yeah. saying um, we'll start with something that's like on the level of like you were being honest with me, but it wasn't necessarily like, oh, my God, positive. But you were like, what is this? Yeah. With look, the first episode. But then. Yeah. So, look, I mean, the first episode. Um, as I understand it, and, and, and look, I was very lucky to go to the premiere, and it was a lot of fun, and, and Favreau was there, and Filoni, and they had a really heartfelt speech that they gave to the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I started seeing how this all started developing behind the scenes a little bit. I was able to kind of put together the puzzle pieces. Right. Okay? And it turns out, as I understand it, is that John Favreau wrote this script on spec. Yep. Okay. He went to uh, Lucasfilm with it, obviously having an incredible track record with Disney. Mm-hmm. Okay, so obviously being one of those people that if they come knocking, you listen to them. He's made them a lot of money. He's made them a lot of money, and he's also made them a lot of headway in their franchise properties, right? Right. Not just the MCU, but also the Jungle Book and Lion King yep. and, and all of these things that – have been very, very, very successful for them. I, I believe The Lion King broke a billion dollars at the box office. And I think I think Jungle Book did too. Or he, got damn close. Yeah, I mean the guy is just like, you know, he's a he's a rainmaker right yeah. now. Okay. Yeah. He's come a long way, kind of like our fake George Lucas says, <laughs> has come a long way since swingers. Okay. <laughs> now it turns out and I kind of connected this dot because there's a show on Netflix. I think it's called The Chef Show or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, where John Favreau goes to Lucas Ranch yeah. um, to uh, cook a meal because, you know, they have their own farm and their own grow, you know, like, like their own you produce. I believe that. that. And I watched that episode on based on your recommendation, and I loved it. It was so, a good episode, right? It was a great episode. And in that episode, you get a little behind the scenes of the relationship between Favreau and Filoni. Yep. Okay. And you see a little bit of Filoni's kind of, um, you know, there's a certain what's the what's the right word to use? He's a little bit. Shy. It seems like he's got a little bit of a shy. T- I was going to say soft spoken, soft spoken, yeah. a little bit timid, a little reserved, very but very genuine, right? Mm-hmm. Like 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 very open and and kind of held back. And it seems like that worked perfectly. To become an apprentice to George Lucas. Right. So, And he really had a true love and passion for this stuff. Um, and it made him a great sort of executive producer, director on The Clone Wars, right? Mm-hmm. All behind the scenes. All behind the scenes. 
everything working with uh, computers. He has this great line. Um, I forget where he mentioned it, but it's like when he was shooting that first episode of The Mandalorian, he was like, oh, my God, we have to deal with the sun. Right. Like the sun is a factor. Yeah. Something you're not aware of when you're in animation. Right. You know, it's like, oh, my God, the sun. Like, yeah. I've never even thought about the sun when I, you know, when it comes to creating my stories. Yeah. So there, there was definitely you can tell that there was definitely a a huge gap mm-hmm. between the Clone Wars and live action. Right. OK. Um, a huge gap. But you can also tell that because Filoni met Favreau because Favreau is the voice of uh, – God, what's that character in the Clone Wars? Um who dies, the Mandalorian. He's actually a Mandalorian. Right. Uh, who dies in the Clone Wars. I'll find it because I don't know either. I mean, that's some canon Jax- stuff. Gexler or – oh, God, what's it? I know where you're going with it. I'm looking as fast as I can okay. right now. Okay. Uh, he's definitely – and he's also – well, we can get into it, but um, – I'm going to find out right now. I can't because I cannot find it fast enough here. Anyway, Ket Kexler or something like that. He 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 ends up spoiler warning. He ends up dying in the Mandalorian. Uh, I'm sorry, in the Clone Wars. If you guys are out there, Pre Vizsla. Pre Vizsla. That's who yeah. it is. Pre Vizsla. Thank you. The uh, the chat the chat helped us out. Thank you very much, uh, Rule of Two Army. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he plays Pre Vizsla in the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. and he did such a good job that he was only supposed to be in one episode. But it kind of him and Filoni seemed to get along so well that he stayed in the show much longer than his arc was supposed to be. It eventually ended, and I think it actually ended great. And that's probably because uh, Favreau and Filoni developed a relationship. Yeah. Okay. And he's also now Paz Vizsla in The Mandalorian, episode three. He's in it. He's what? He's in it. Paz Vizsla is a, is a character, a Mandalorian. It's John Favreau. Coming back into the role in the Mandalorian. Oh, really? Not the same role, but, but the but same A-Roll. lineage. But A- oh, I see the same lineage. So he's Paz Vizsla in the Mandalorian. Okay, he so- was pre Vizsla in the Clone Wars. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Hey guys, stopping the show real quick to ask you this: Do you love DC movies, shows, and comic books? Well, we have good news for you. DC Universe, the ultimate DC membership, is offering a special 14-day trial to our listeners. Visit dcuniverse.com slash podcast one. Spell it out, podcast one, O-N-E, and use promo code Collider to start your free trial. DC Universe has so much to offer, including the action-packed original series like Doom Patrol, Young Justice, Outsiders, Swamp Thing, and Titans Season 2. It doesn't stop there. The highly anticipated adult animated series Harley Quinn premieres on November 29th. Tune in to see Harley, voiced by Kaylee Cuoco, break things off with the Joker and attempt to make it on her own. Will she be the newly liberated queen pin of Gotham City? Catch new episodes on Fridays. If you want to experience more DC, watch new animated films, enjoy classic animated series remastered in HD, binge some fan-favorite DC shows, watch classic films, and so much more. If reading is more of your thing, DC Universe has over 20,000 digital comics that you can access all at your fingertips. DC Universe is available on your favorite devices so you can watch on the go. Don't waste any more time. Start your 14-day free trial today. Visit www.dcuniverse.com slash podcast one and use promo code Collider. That's www.dcuniverse.com slash podcast one. 
C-O-L-L-I-D-E-R-O-N-E. Use promo code Collider to start your 14-day free trial. This code is valid through December 31st, 2019. Rule of Two is sponsored by Warner Brothers Digital Networks, the operator of DC Universe. DC Universe is only available in the U.S. So Pretty look, cool. we're gonna we're going we're going to do something slightly different on today's show. Okay. So uh, when it comes to the super chats, we see you. If you want to give us super chats, we're so grateful for them and we thank you and we will accept them and treat them with respect. However, because we don't want to disrupt the flow of the show, correct? Yep. Okay. We're actually going to wait until the end of the show to read all of the super chats together back to back. Yep. So um, a lot of you guys out there have been saying this, and look, we totally respect your opinion. You've been saying that the Super Chats throw the, throw the vibe of the show off. We agree, and we want to still do the Super Chats, but now we're going to do them at the end of the show. So Cody is going to be capturing them, yep. and then at the end of the show, we'll take 10 minutes, and we'll do all the Super Chats back-to-back if there's any more than the one that Tasty Waffle just said. There you go. So anyway— Back to the Mandalorian. Back to the Mandalorian. Okay. So we got some John Favreau love. We got some a little bit uh, from the cooking thing, but you're, you yeah, you so were on to something. I'm driving here. at something. Yeah, I'm driving at something. That, and this is kind of counterintuitive to what you and I have been saying, to what Christian has been saying, to what maybe Ken's been saying. That we all kind of wanted Filoni up front, mm-hmm. you know, because he's the one that's learning it directly from Lucas. He's the one that seems to understand the canonical, that's even a word, consequences of, yeah. of, of all the threads. Like He knows it. He knows exactly. If, we're gonna, yeah. if he's mapping out a movie, he can tell you why it connects to not only Rebels, Resistance, Clone Wars, so on and so forth. We trust him. Absolutely. We trust him. Yeah. Right? So now you have a guy uh, coming in to direct live action who also has a lot of experience with animation. Like incredible experience in animation, mm-hmm. but also has a lot more confidence than Filoni. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what does he do? He brings Filoni into the fold. I bet you that that's how it happens behind the scenes. It's not like they said, "Hey, let's connect you two guys together," and like we're going to make this show, and it's going to be you and F-. no. Favreau brings Filoni in. I'm, I'm very confident of that, mm-hmm. and and gives Filoni the confidence to to grow above his current ceiling. Of doing all this animation stuff, okay? right? And then helps with all the details, the uh, you know the Camino clone patch. Yeah, you know, like like some of these little details that you get um, that uh, connects the whole yeah, kind of story. That Favreau's like so, just, something just, maybe we didn't see in the movies because we feel, and we've talked about this. I don't think Kathleen Kennedy knows much about the supplemental materials, but Filoni knows. Filoni knows. And Filoni can weave it in there and I think add to what Favreau is doing. Yeah. If Favreau says, I want Mandalorians to do this, this, or that, Filoni can be right next to him and go, wouldn't it be cool if we did this, this, or this, and it connects over to here? Like I, I, I know where you're going with this, and I think it's a good symbiotic yeah. relationship. Yeah, So, and it's also one of Favreau saying, hey, you can fly – Closer to the sun, and your wings won't fall off. Don't be right. afraid. Keep going. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then fast forward to episode one of The Mandalorian, um, which I thought was not a very good episode. Right. Okay? I I thought it was a cool setup, but it felt incomplete. Mm-hmm. And like you and I talked about it, I think, the next day. Yeah. And I was like, I'm a little frustrated with this first episode. But I'm going to reserve my judgment because you got to see it in the context of the show. Right. And I think it 
I said it like this. I first off, I loved it because it was my first yeah. jumping into the world, and I thought they did it very well. You and I were talking a little bit about the Nick Nolte character and the the beast that they ride and how it felt. Some people were pulled out. Some people weren't. I won't speak for you, but I know what we talked about, and I was like, man, I loved it. I wanted – because it just felt so – like it took its time. Right. And it was assured of itself. It knew exactly what it wanted to do. But if I were to put on my critical hat, it felt like a pilot. And it, sometimes it, that's not good. See, to me, that's my – to me, it didn't feel like a pilot. Really? To, you know, like if you think about the great pilots in television history, right? And, and for me, I think maybe the single greatest pilot in TV history – God, there's, there's a few that are really good. Um, like I think it's hard to argue with The Sopranos because – I've seen that pilot. In, in that one pilot, you pretty much get the heart and soul of the entire show. Mm-hmm. So that's what a pilot really, really gives you is the whole kind of show – and I still don't – look, and television has evolved quite a bit since The Sopranos. Okay, yeah. It's already been a while. And now it's like even though the, Sopr- the Sopranos was also serial, as in one episode leads into the next, as opposed to procedural mm-hmm. where it's just more based on a format that can be replicated week to week like let's say Star Trek or, or – Right, and or they're whatever. not connected. And they're not – I mean they are connected but not like – there's not a through line – that you have to watch episode one to understand episode five. Right. You know? Um, it just – it felt to me like episode one had <laughs> – like I guess my biggest frustration is that I had kept hearing these are going to be $10 million in episode shows. Right. OK? $10 million, You know? <laughs> these are the kind of numbers that Game of Thrones spends. Right. And then you get 27 minutes of like – a like green screen projections, which is actually very cool technology, which is, is a whole other podcast. See, and I yeah, I've, and I've heard that not just from you, but God, it was it couldn't have landed farther away from me. I felt locked in. I thought the effects were fantastic. If the pi- when I say pilot, I mean they're setting up the series, and there was a lot of slow mom- moments because it was focusing on the Mando. Yeah, And I dug that because then when you get to IG-11, that was just off the hook. Everything, the action, seeing him in motion, and then that ending where you meet the child for the first time and he has to take out IG-11, that to me was – That was great. Whew. I mean that was – look, look. Locked in. And like let me, let me be very clear. I, I like The Mandalorian a lot. Oh, okay? yeah. No, I know. You really like it. And we'll go into greater detail on that. But there are critiques that I have about it. That I wish weren't there, and that I wish people had thought about. And like one, you know, to me, one of those critiques is that nobody can ever talk shit about Benioff and Weiss again. Yeah, like that's over. I, I mean, I felt that way when they were doing it to begin with, because it's like, geez, you don't know. Yeah, how hard it is. Yeah, I, I don't even know. Because look, the last season, and, and I agree with a lot of the criticisms from, from a character perspective of the last season, right? Like some inconsistencies there that are not sure. don't make a ton of sense and seem very compressed. But the every single penny that they got in their budget is on the screen. Mm-hmm. Every single ounce of effort. That you can ask out of a crew is on that screen. Mm-hmm. From the, I mean, look, I know that you got the water bottles in the shots or whatever, and that happens. Whoopsie daisies. <laughs> but I mean, like the cinematography, the the set design is just absolutely gorgeous. 
I felt that there was a lot in The Mandalorian that to me seemed a little half-assed. The Blurg, to me, the Blurg looked like crap. Really? I thought the Blurg looked like crap. See, I, yeah, I didn't see it. I, I mean, I thought it was great. You thought they looked good? Yeah. That, see, that's what surprised me is that when you – because you sent me something via text. Yeah. And I went, oh, man, it didn't land with me like that. And it just – and that's okay too. Of course it's okay. And, and, and it's like – so when we have these conversations, it's like it's inevitable that you and I who have gotten our hands dirty in certain things when we go outside of Star Wars and we make things or we write or we – especially when you're shooting things. I know what – I know what – inevitably you can have your critiques – it's when I come back to it because I've seen probably – how many times did you see the first episode? So I've seen the first episode maybe five times already. Five times. Wow. Yeah. You beat me. I said three. This last episode, episode three, I've watched four. Yeah. And the, th- and the second episode, I watched three because this last episode, we'll get there. I loved. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I understand where you're coming from. But let's, let's, let's go to episode two because something happened in you. Where now that's your favorite episode. It what changed? So, so okay. So I'll get to that in a second. But I do want to just finish off my little hits okay. on episode one because I, I think they're important to say because I love that everybody is so positive on The Mandalorian. And the combination of The Mandalorian and Jedi Fallen Order have been great for the fandom. And, mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm in full support of that. But I do feel like there were things in, in – uh, the Mandalorian that 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 short that short changed me. Okay. Okay. One of them is the runtime. Like, if you're going to be spending this kind of money on this kind of show, like, I don't think it's a lot to ask for us to get a solid 45 minutes to an hour per episode. You know, I agree with that in theory. It's like this: they didn't tell us how long they, they never were going to be. Us. We just assumed. We assumed, and so that's and, and, on us. And assuming makes an ass out of you and me, right? Sure. So that when that first episode ended. And it was like 27 minutes. I was like, whoa. And right. I was bummed. And I wanted more. Right. But that's the sign of a and good like pilot for me. And like 12 minutes of it is him walking. Which I loved. I know. I, I know you love Every it. moment of that. I think he walks a little too much. But the walking is good. It's become a part of the thing. <laughs> yeah, man. Lone gunslinger. Six minutes him trying to learn how to write the blurg. Yep. Okay. Then you get like the one scene of, of them like jumping, you know, riding across. One thing that I do love about this show mm-hmm. is that whoever wrote this game plays Galaxies, plays Star Wars Galaxies. Yeah. Every episode reads like a Star Wars Galaxies mission. You know, I said at first it would like – it also felt like um, an, an animated – but it felt like an animated show live action, meaning the runtime, some of the humor – some of the like how quick and, yeah. and, and, and or – Look, I also like one thing about so, – so speaking of Star Trek and I do have the Star Trek shirt. You can You're get repping. it. Rule – what is it? Rule 10? Yeah, rule 10 to get rule discounts 10. on this kind of gear. Yep. Um, in Star Trek, the, 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 the philosophy around the aliens is always to have the aliens be uh, basically different ethnicities of humans, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like that's, the, that's the analog. You know, that like we're all different, but we're all basically the same. And it's just about finding and understanding and relating to each other's priorities, right? Right. With Star Wars, it's a different approach to the aliens, right? The aliens are supposed to be truly alien. Yeah. That you don't – you can't understand the language. Um, you know, some people know how to translate it, but it's always broken, right? Um, and they look very different, right? Like 
it's just like in Fallen Order, right? Like the ship captain would never be an alien in Star Trek mm-hmm. because he's this big, has crazy hair, mm-hmm. and it's like it's like a puppet or a CGI thing, right? Right. Um, that f- opening alien that is the bounty that you know that that he takes yeah. was a little too Star Trek for me. So the entire time I'm watching him, because he just looks like a Star Trek character, right? He's just like a human being with a blue mask on. Mm-hmm. And he talks like a human, which which other aliens in Star Wars do also. But it just felt that – I was like, well, it feels like Star Trek to me, you know? Interesting. And, and like that opening scene I thought was cool. I thought the best part about it was the little switch in how it seems like he's there to help or – it doesn't seem like he's there to help him, but his actions seem to be helpful to him. And then he drops the bounty puck on him. Right. And he's like, oh, shit, is that me? Mm-hmm. Like, that was a great little opener. I can take you warm or I can take you cold. Mm-hmm. There's some great stuff in here. God, okay? I loved it. Just talking about it makes me want to watch the first episode. But again. but I do feel a little short change in that first episode. Well, I think it's – I understand that only on the side of we didn't know how long the the episodes would be. And so once you come to accept that they're at this length, I think you can start to enjoy it more if you just get rid of that because The Mandalorian, this epi- that first episode was all about The Mandalorian, and that's what I appreciate it. All down to the walking is that this is a guy that's going to walk and take his time. <laughs> I'm not kidding you, man. When I say that, but it's like, that MFR is like, fine, you know what? Fine, he's walking, but like I gotta walk over there, and I'm gonna do it in style. Yes, look, and I, and I hate interrupting you. And I know the fans get on me for it, but it's not about him walking as no, much I, as about how it's directed, because it's like here comes the Mandalorian, bong bong, ding, bong bong. Gotta ding, give it up to Ludwig, man. Cut, and then bong bong, ding, 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 and then cut. And then, bum, bum, he's still walking. And then cut again. And then now he enters the door. I mean, it's I think like, that's one too many cuts. But No, no, no. That's exactly how many really? cuts it okay. was in that opening episode. Watch it again. Okay. Watch it again. When he now, leaves the thing to go meet um, with um, uh, Werner Herzog's character, who's incredible, by the way. He's the best. He's the best in this. He's awesome. He is so That's my favorite scene in that good. episode. Is when he first meets Werner Herzog's character, right? And you see the renegade stormtroopers. I love that. You know, I. It's like there's four of us. Where it's like I like my odds mm-hmm. against that. When you see the Kaminoan, uh, mm-hmm. which I know is definitely not a word, walk in with his Camino patch. Right. If you're a hardcore nerd, yep. Like, and it's like, what's he doing here? You know, like, like I had no idea. I mean, to me, the ending was a complete surprise. The ending shocked me in the yeah. most – and this is probably one of the most beautiful Star Wars things to happen for me at least. And I think I can – I think I, a lot of people share my enthusiasm all online because Baby Yoda has blown up, right? We have hashtags. We have plushy toys coming. We have Disney pulling down memes and gifts at one point because they didn't want it to go out there. But it's too late. You can't stop the internet. Baby Yoda is a thing. But here's the thing that I got – to your points about the Mandalorian, yeah. every single one of them for him walking. This was a western, yeah. And and I know you you get that. Of course, I, I get know that. that's the reference. Yeah. I know we're getting the lone gunslinger, but we're also having that nice, the lone wolf and the cub kind of feel. You know that anime that that absolutely th- that story. Look, I it's uh, classic, right? It's we, classic. We, we knew leading up to this that sooner or later the Mando is going to have to make a decision when it comes to the child, and we'll get there. I keep wanting to stay on. 
the Mandalorian episode one because yeah, the more yeah, I talk let's, about let's it, the more I want you to like it like I did because it just – every single piece of it worked all I, the way to the walking. I liked it, but I felt shortchanged in that first episode. Fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. And it, was it mostly because you felt the economy of space – Yes. That's right. a good way to put it. The economy of space is 27 minutes and you're showing me the third time that he's walking across the desert. Right. When you can get maybe a different scene. And then he, I hear you. It's just like I just felt that the inexperience because when you compare it to episode 2, mm-hmm. and then when you compare it to episode 3, like you can tell that the inexperience behind the camera is so obvious. Mm-hmm. Like there was stuff in the first episode um, that bugged me that are nowhere to be seen in the second and third episode. Mm. And, like, I don't know if that's just because – and this is why it frustrates me that it's that, that was the pilot because the pilot should really be episodes one and two put together. I could – yeah. I mean that's the pilot. I think with, because that's with, a storyline, right? Like, abs- I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah, I mean that's a pilot. That that seems to be more of the the arc of the story. But the first episode, I think, was really about setting tone and character, and that's it. That's all they wanted to accomplish. So, it was, like the Mando, it took its time. He was assured. He walked. He did all these different things. But it was like I don't know what it is that just felt so perfect for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And look, All the way down to him walking, you're like, God, that like, look at the beauty of this, right? You can look at it from a, a aesthetic point of view rather than story. You can just look at it and go, this is Star Wars. This yeah. is awesome, yeah. right? You can do it that way, yeah. or you can stop and go, well, what, 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 what? How does this go in there? Which I get. I'm doing the same thing, but at the the first episode, I'm like, he's walking again. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah look, it's happening. I, I mean, look, the first episode, um, I think, ended obviously very strong. Mm. A total Star Wars Galaxies mission. you got to find the right mount to get you across the rough terrain. You know, hence, you know, here comes the blurg. I do see that um, in every episode, it seems like he gets into trouble, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and I'll, I'll credit Jeremy Johns for, for, for pointing this out in his review. I, I thought it was very astute and very true. It seems like as much of a badass as The Mandalorian is— in every single episode, he gets into a situation that he needs somebody else's help or else he's fucked. I mean— It's like an ass pull. It's like a screenwriter, we call that an ass pull. Yeah. Where, where you write yourself into such a corner mm. that you just got to, you know, like pull it out of your ass to, like, figure out how, how you get them out. Okay, that's big. I got I to gotta take that in for a second because that, I'm not feeling that. Yeah, it's, it's fine. That's and I think it's, it's like the Mando— because Let's every, go to episode two. Okay, well, let's go with episode one. Okay. okay, he's just kicking everybody's ass. Right. All right. He seems to magically get to the blue guy's thing as he's trying to take a dump, and puts him in carbonite. Right. So he's got stealth. Right. Yep. He takes on like five people at the bar mm-hmm. that are seemingly other bounty hunters. Right. So he's got skill. He's got he, he you know he's a fighter. Right. Yep. He gets to what I believe is Tatooine. Right. No, it's not Tatooine. We don't know where. I mean, I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure they're, they they put it out there on what the uh, where they are at, but I just don't know off the top of my head. Chat, save me. Yeah, chat. Where are these planets right now? I know they've revealed some of them. Let me see if I can pull it up it, here. It looks like Tatooine to me. I don't think they've been to Tatooine yet. Do I think they'll go to Tatooine sooner or later? I hope so. I would. Li- I've been dying to see Tatooine again, live action yeah. return. But anyway, 
so he gets to the planet, okay, and he's looking. He's looking for his bounty, which I love. Again, Star Wars Galaxies. The the exact bounty hunter mechanic is using Galaxies, and he sees a blurg from far away. One sneaks up on him and, and messes him up, and basically, it looked like that's a fight he was going to lose unless you know Nick Nolte comes in and saves him. Right. Okay. It happens in episode two as well. I'm almost finding it. It's here on our own collider.com. I just can't find it in the. Oh my god! Somebody in the chat saying Arvala Seven. That sounds about right. It's very simple. One Go on with your point while I find this because it's buried somewhere in this article. So look. Anyway, um, I think that. As many problems as I had with the first episode of just under-delivering to the lofty expectations that Star Wars has in my irrational brain, it all felt good when the, when the target bounty is revealed. Yeah. And for the first time, okay, for the first time since Star Wars has been bought by Disney, mm. did I say, oh, they're trying to push the story forward. Mm. They're trying to give us they're trying to give us exposition on the things we care about the most. Right. And that to me made me almost forget the fact that Filoni has no experience directing and it shows very clearly on screen. The fact that I thought the music in the first episode, even though I love the samurai hits, I think the theme is just takes me back to like a seventies like sit, you know, like weird, like Western sitcom thing, like there, sitcom or something weird. Oh, you wow. know, uh, God, like, like I can't even hum it right now, but I've been humming it for five days straight. Um, it made me forget all that because Good. it was like, holy crap! Mm-hmm. Is that Yoda? Right, the species. I mean, it is. I think it might be the like the biggest, most monumental twist in Star Wars since Luke, I am her father. I agree with you there because we know for – Lucas has said so. He's made it purposely vague that the two species of Yoda and Yaddle. Yeah, Yoda and Yaddle. He, and, didn't, he didn't want to reveal where they're from, yeah. how they are, what their more. species name. There's one more that's also can. I forget the name, but there's also one other one. So it was Ar- Arvala 7. Yeah. Is one of the planets. That's all I'm getting from this one article. Yeah, look, look, guys, we don't have a producer on this show. We don't have a fact checker on this show. We got no. Cody in the booth doing the best he can. But no, we guys, don't we do not outline this thing at all. Yeah, so yeah. when conversations you, pop up, yeah, we sometimes is, the reason we do this show live is so that you guys can help us produce the show. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Hells yeah. So <laughs> now do you think okay, so to, to your point though, yeah. do you think this has anything or some people, the big thing going online right now is everybody's calling it Baby Yoda, and people are like, that's not Yoda. Yoda died. Yoda's gone because this gone. is five years, I seven agree. years after Return of the Jedi. Yoda's gone. Species of Yoda. Are we in agreement of that? It's definitely Yoda's species. I think – And I've I heard had, clone of Yoda. I've, if I had to bet money right now, I think you get even money, 50-50, even money bet that it's a clone of Yoda – Mm-hmm. Or that it's just the species, and all and every known member of this species has always been force sensitive, which has shown up in canonical uh, books before mm-hmm. that, or, or movies, or whatever. But like that, every known species of this uh, character or, or of Yoda that's shown up in Star Wars, and there's three of them that are canon, have all been force users. Right. 
I'm going that this is a new this is a new character. It's the same species, but it's not Yoda. And it's not a clone of Yoda. They are trying to clone this creature because yeah. it's force sensitive. I mean that makes perfect Plain sense. Plain and simple. Too. Yeah. I don't think we're getting Yoda returned. Yoda's not like reincarnated a la Anakin Skywalker so because Force Yoda, just made him. Um, Yoda uh, – all right. Yoda had just died. He's just died. Yoda has died and this creature has been alive in Yoda's world. time and For worlds. 50 years. So Yoda He's was 50 a, years old. So Yoda – depending on the nature of the species because we don't know anything about the species. Right. So Yoda was 900 years old when he passed. So subtract. He was 850, 850 years old when this thing was born. So it's out there. Question for me simply is where has it been? But, but it's it was born around the time that Palpatine starts yes. to to uh, to to run his gambit. Correct on the Senate and, and on the Jedi, and that's something that's interesting. I think yeah. that absolutely that, no, and that is why I think it's even money. That it's Yoda? That it's that it's a clone of Yoda? That it's a clone of Yoda? Because look, yeah. I mean, we don't know about look. Again, going back to the Clone Wars, okay? Who does Yoda try to go find in the Clone Wars? Sifo-Dyas. Mm. Oh, that's right. Okay? Mm. Who supposedly made the order for the clones in Camino? Sifo-Dyas. You think? Sifo-Dyas is the one who ordered the clone army. Ah, and let me, let me throw this out there. Yeah. Qui-Gon Jinn takes some blood from Anakin Skywalker and Fan- Phantom Menace. Right. Says, my God, you have so many midichlorians, more yeah. than Master Yoda. Right. That would mean that he would have the blood of Master Yoda Somebody somewhere. does. Four million midichlorian counts does Yoda have. Is that where they got him? Is that where the clone then could be? Is that – remember. That's why I think it's even more. The rebellion – or the, uh, the Republic fell and Palpatine moved all of his shit into the, the Jedi temple where all of this could be. You might be onto something. I don't know if they're going to go there because of the kind of the – when we talk about Ray being a clone of like maybe Luke Skywalker's yeah, hand I'm and not, all this. I'm yeah, I'm not there anymore. I'm not there. It was fun at the time to have some fun and games there. and it's I'm on not paper. There. I'm not there at all. But, I'm, but the thing that, that gets to me about all of this is like how they would work in a convoluted plot about cloning a Jedi Master that's no longer with us for the casual fans. I think the casual fans that coined Baby Yoda is just like, oh, it's Yoda. I mean, I'm going to call out a family member. I'm not going to direct it at them. But they went, I can't believe Yoda's back. That's not Yoda. And they went, I thought Yoda was alive. And I said, no, he died at the end of Return of the Jedi. I said, oh, I thought this takes place before that. Nope. So so, so look, casual fan there, already confused. Yes. So look, to put put a bow on it, okay, I – had issues with episode one. I did, and I'm going to say them, and I don't care. Like, if I'm a downer, I'm a downer. I had issues with episodes one. With episode one, I felt I thought it felt incomplete. I thought it felt amateurish. I, I thought it didn't feel very well directed. I had a bunch of issues with it. Okay. However, it ended with, I think, the coolest twist in Star Wars since Luke, I am your father. Mm. Okay? Love it. And then it set up perfectly episode two. Yeah. Because that opening shot in perfect in episode two goes exactly to what you're saying, the idea of the reluctant um, watcher, right? right? The reluctant babysitter, okay? Mm-hmm. Which I think has done by no one better than the Wolverine character. If if you go to episode like if you go to the first X uh, X Men movie, he takes care of uh, not Storm. What the hell's her name? Um, 
Anna Paquin's character. Oh, uh, Rogue. Rogue. He yeah. takes care of Rogue. Mm-hmm. You know, that's his whole relationship. You go to episode uh, two of, of, of X-Men. He, now he's got Rogue and Iceman and the Fire Kid. He's taking care of them. Right. Right? The third one, again, the, you know, Logan. He's, you know, uh, um, the fourth one, he's taking care of them in the past or whatever it is, right? Like, right, right. That's always his role. Uh, Logan, better than in any of them, taking care of the little girl and uh, Xavier. Um, and I love that that sort of genre, that trope of the idea of the reluctant, like, caretaker. And, man, does do they pull off that in episode two? Holy crap. Episode two was my favorite until episode three. But <laughs> yeah, fair it, enough. Fair but enough. it, uh, yeah, I I just adored the fact that, and it goes to I mentioned the Lone Wolf and Cub, and I know it was a the, there was a show around it, there was a, a a novel around it. Frank Miller did a cover of it uh, at one point, and that's a kind of a, a trope in storytelling: is the reluctant guy, the reluctant character, the searchers, John Wayne, um, you know, having to protect Natalie Wood. You know, yeah. this is something that we've seen before. True, in, true grit. True grit is saying, yeah. To put this in the Star Wars universe is what got me excited because then there's, there's. We'll get to Episode Three because Episode Three blew my mind. But Episode Three is by far my favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair but enough. I love the idea that he had to go and take on the elements. That is Episode Two, the Jawas. We finally get to see a Mandalorian. No disintegrations. Yes, that was the first time. I yeah. mean, no Jawas were gone. And he had no – I was wondering. I'm like, the Jawas took your shit, dude. What are you going to do? He's running over there, and I'm like, I wonder if he's going to actually kill some Jawas. And my uh, before I could even get it out of my mouth talking to my fiancé as we were watching it, he pulled his gun and blew away three Jawas and blink of an eye. Look, that episode, I've seen it like seven times. And I, I look, I was lucky enough to watch – um, all three of them on a big screen, yeah. You know, at the El Capitan Theater, mm-hmm. the same theater that premiered Citizen Kane. You know, so it was—it's the right room for it, you right? Know? Right. But that second episode, watching the Mandalorian walking with the child through that canyon, and then him putting his hand on his pistol, and then the action that ensues—that fight um, with the. Uh, uh, the Gorsk, uh, the lizard characters. Oh, Bosk, yeah, the uh, trend, uh, the Trandoshans. Yep, yeah, yeah. The fight with the Trand. I'm getting old, guys. Okay, my my memory is. It's fine. You're gonna yell at us because we don't know uh, a Star Wars species. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> right. Have fun. Anyway, but the Trandoshans coming in, and I'm like, damn, that's good. That's good. You know, uh, uh, fight choreographs. Oh uh, yeah, it was so good. Right, so good. It was fun. It was absolutely fun. And then um, you get. Which then that paid off in the next episode, the whole idea know, of why is so great. But just but, dude, but then like – then I think it's the scene right after. Um, there's a moment where he's tending to his wounds and the child gets out of his little baby carriage. It's got to be the cutest – I mean I thought Groot, baby Groot, it could never, ever, ever get cuter than baby Groot. And this thing is cuter than Baby Groot. I mean, this is the cutest friggin' thing yeah. I've ever, like, maybe I've ever seen ever. Have you seen the meme of Gizmo saying, I'm the cutest thing ever, and then Baby Yoda, and it's like, my beer you will hold. <laughs> right. It's great. Right. It's great. Yeah. So, so then, like, everybody in the theater was like, when, when, when he's trying to, like, tend to his wound, and he gets out, 
and he like does that thing where he like raises his hand like he's, oh like, so you're talking about the mudhorn the uh, the beast that he's going uh, no, that no, he's no, no 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 this is way before way that. before got way it. before that okay he he's tending to the cut that he got from the Trandoshan. right okay and he's like tending to it and the little uh, the little Yoda walks out of the car- uh, of the little egg and is gonna like he's trying to touch him. He's going to do the E.T., man. He's, he's going to use the, the force. And everybody in the theater was like, oh, <sighs> my God. Is this really happening? Mm-hmm. Because this is the first time that we're really seeing the force in its most natural, unforced, pardon the pun, kind of way. Like, right. like this is force we can relate to, right? Because Ray Force, we have trouble relating to it because everybody's telling us, yeah, she's super force sensitive, super powerful. Um, you know, Kylo, we know he has the force, but we never really saw him get it, right? You know, we never saw him really learn it. Mm-hmm. This is like Yoda, little baby Yoda, like of course we think he's got the force. And 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 this is Rick Fumi, you know Famiywa. Famiywa trolling us a little bit or teasing us. Teasing, yeah. Saying saying, Look, I'm about to give you the and then he put a pin in it. And then yeah, he puts a pin in it, puts a little baby back in the carriage. Yeah, you know, and then like I love the, I love Baby Yoda's um, reluctance to to stay in the egg. It's a child. Yeah, you wants know? to get out, wants to help. Yeah, it's so it's so adorable. But then that leads into what I, I got to tell you, man, made me feel for the first time since Revenge of the Sith, watching a Star Wars thing, where I was like, damn, hmm. this is the feeling that I've been uh, searching for. You know, and that I'm was, glad you got there. And that and that's when I saw the the uh, Jawas. Yeah, <laughs> the Jawas was so fucking cool. Yeah, man. I was wondering how that humor would land for some someone like you. I love for the fans and everything because at one point they're chanting the egg, the egg, and they're dancing around. And I've never felt something that felt so Star Wars to me, as ridiculous as that sounds. I know. It really did feel like Star Wars. It did. Man. It. It. I, I. I can't describe it, but everything has. To a certain degree for me with this series, even, you know, Gilman or whoever that guy was at the beginning of the episode one, that just right. worked. And I know you, you likened it to Star Trek, but yeah. for me it landed differently. This, though, there was something about just the, the simplicity of man versus nature because I put the Jawas in that category. They're kind of respected. They're, they're, they live on that planet. They, they're, they're scavengers. You have to deal with them. It's like almost like everybody that lands on that planet, whether it's Arvilla 7, if that's what that planet was, you're going to have to deal with Jawas. It just is kind of a – you're going to have to deal with the rain yeah. kind of thing. And it oh. just – it was so great. See, that's why I thought it was Tatooine. Because mm. of Jawas. Because of the Jawas. Yeah. But they had red eyes instead of kind of gold silver eyes. You notice – I'd see – and that's what – I didn't notice Distinguished that. it for me. I'm like, well, this is not the planet. This is a different really? planet. And that Jawas kind of – are indigenous right, to certain climates, maybe. It always seems to be sand climates. So are there jaw I want to say chat room. Were there Jawas rocking uh, walking around Jakku? I think there was. I feel like they're indigenous to sand planets, but I could be wrong. But it just landed with me so great. The huh. big giant, and I see it here. Thank you, Slewis Friggins. The big hairy Cadbury egg. It was. It was a giant Cadbury egg that they wanted to eat. Is that what the animal is called with the horn, the Cadbury? It was a mud horn. Mud horn. No, no, no. Cadbury. You know Cadbury eggs. Oh, the Cadbury. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. so it looked like that, and I thought it was so great. I thought it was so perfect. And it's just 
one of my favorite things about writing that you do with characters, and I heard this and I'm going to butcher it, but it's like yeah. you basically for character development, you put them into a tree and then the story is basically throwing rocks at them. And what is that character going to do? Are they going to take it? Are they going to dodge? Are they going to get out of the yeah, tree? All these sense. different things. So this was him. You found the child. You took the child. You have to go back to your ship. And everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. Yeah. I mean, look, look um, people are making good points. We're 50 minutes in. We haven't even talked about. We haven't even talked about episode three. We haven't talked about Fallen Order. That's how much we love The Mandalorian, I guess. Look, and it's, look we haven't talked about The Mandalorian yet, you and I. Okay, we haven't. You know, this and, is like this is like, long I, overdue. I have so much stuff to talk about with episode two because I was a little kid. I was five years old again, seven years old again, watching the Mandalorian go up against the Jawas. Mm-hmm. Okay, I thought it was brilliant how Nick Nolte's character—I forget the character's name—but Nick Nolte's character comes and tries to make peace with the Mandalorian. And uh, the Jawas, you know, the you know, guns are my religion. Mm-hmm. Great exposition there. Um, him trying to burn them with the uh, flamethrower, mm-hmm. and the comedy of them all moving in, in sync to the side. I mean, yeah. these were Star Wars moments that I was like, so happy to see on screen, man. Yeah, you know, and like uh, Rick did such a good job with this episode, and then you get to, um. The the mission, which is we want that egg from the Mudhorn, okay? Mm-hmm. Then he goes to get the egg again. Like, it was like, that episode was like a 30-minute little micro-hero's journey for me. Yeah. It had it, it basically it yes. had all, all the little points to it. And then you go get the egg, and this dude, which is a great sequence, I, those special effects I thought were great compared to the Blurg. Uh, something about the Blurg just looks off. But yeah. uh, okay. then you got... That moment where the Mandalorian again got his ass kicked, Mm -hmm. just like in the first episode where he needs somebody to give him an ass pull out of this bad situation. And little baby Yoda lifts up the uh, the creature and, dude, the entire theater was just like, oh, my God, they did it. And I love – They went for it. Ludwig Gordonson's score plays two notes of the Force theme and never finishes. Doesn't touch it again. It's perfect. Yeah, but pulls back right. because he's not fully there, and I love that. I love that that there was a little nod in the music to that forest theme that we all know and love. So let me ask you this: when we get to because we need to get to this, let's touch a little bit on episode three, uh, the sin, and then we got to talk a little bit about your first impressions of Jedi Fallen Order. Um, Episode three was my favorite. Deborah Chow, who's running and doing okay, the entire Obi Wan. I'm sorry to cut you off. What is going on? I'm sorry to cut Damn you it. off. And we're probably going to run a little bit late here. We probably okay. are. But sorry, Cody. Um, Cody, you've seen these episodes, right? We're not spoiling this for you. No, yeah, you're good. All right, all right. <laughs> Jesus, I was about to. I was, I was feeling bad. All right. Um, every episode of The Mandalorian seems like it has that one scene that I wish it didn't have. Okay. And episode one is I didn't need th- the like, blurgs. The blurgs. Like running around, and then like you know, like Fine, my around. favorite part. But go <laughs> right, ahead. Right, right. Yeah. I, I didn't need that. I didn't, in the second episode, I, I didn't need the little montage of them fixing the ship. Really? You know, it's just if it, you landed there, huh? It, it, <laughs> yeah, I just didn't need that. You know what? It's funny because in the Clone Wars, they have this conceit of like the 1940s reporting. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like, da, 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 check, you know. Uh, terror in the galaxy. We're having a Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Right. And that little conceit is very specific to a time period. Right. It seems like they're trying to create an aesthetic in the show that is also kind of like a send up to the 70s. I mean, it feels like the 70s. You know, like dissolves, cross dissolves to show the passage of time mm-hmm. is a technique that's rarely ever used anymore. Right. It's just not used anymore. It is a well-known passage of time technique that dissolves. Very, very particular to that era with the music. I just didn't need that so much. But anyway, after that, the episode ended, uh, and then we go to three. So sorry. I yeah, that no, that's okay. So it wasn't all perfect. I liked the, the montage because I think a lot of people, and including me, if he just had all that shit and then all of a sudden you see him flying off world, I like that because it also showed the camaraderie between Nolte's Ugnaught character and Mando and how that relationship was building, that that guy's going to stick around to get to that one moment of like – you're good with your hands. He basically pulls a Han Solo to Ray moment. It's like, you're good with your hands. Why don't you join me? And Nick Nolte's character is like, nope, I fought for this life. I love that line. First, it's a great line. Yeah. And the I have spoken thing, I know people oh, love yeah. that too. Like, so it's all, it's all good. But and I just then this feel is like, the way. I feel like this show um, wanted to be 20-minute Clone Wars episodes, that it was conceived of that way. Mm-hmm. And they keep finding ways to try to stretch it. Well, this last one, now as we go into episode three, 37 minutes up from before. And as what I'm feeling like as we get deeper into the story, we're going to get more and more so, so, longer. Somebody's um, – uh, that's a Star, Star Wars specific effect. Absolutely not. That's cross-dissolving between two shots using wipes or circular wipes or whatever. This is a completely different thing. Of building passage of time montages. With right, dissolves, right. I right? see what so, you're saying. Yeah. Anyway, it's just somebody. Uh, I, I typically don't get triggered. <laughs> you got triggered. I, I got triggered. I got triggered. Look at that. <laughs> forced. <laughs> your ass getting forced choked across the internet. All right. I'm sorry. Go ahead, brother. So as we get to episode three now, entitled The Sin. Yep. We get the Mandalorian culture. I love this episode, but my point was Deborah Chow directed this episode. Yep. She is now been tasked with directing from what we understand the reports are saying all of obi-wan yeah yeah i've heard that too every what did you think of this episode i thought it was great yeah i thought the episode was great um i it didn't hit me as hard as the second episode did Mm -hmm. because to me the second episode just it felt like one of those classic uh television episodes like 33 in Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. If you if you guys are hard nerds, you guys know 33 is the best Battlestar Galactica episode. Um, you know, the episode, um, I forget what it's called. I think it's called The Visitor or, or, or The Fly. I forget what the episode is called, but of Breaking Bad that Ryan Johnson directed with The Fly. Or, Ozymandias. I know that was one of them. Yeah, the maybe. It was The Fly, too. The fly too. The fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was called The Fly. Or the episode Pine Barrens of The Sopranos. Every series has that one episode that you're like, holy crap. It's a it's a self-contained thing. Mm-hmm. And to me, that second episode felt like a self-contained little perfect little narrative that really, really touched me. Where, where, the, where the third episode seems like it was a continuation of this and leaves you in a cliffhanger for a continuation to come, which is great too. You know what I, f- I felt from it? It was like almost like getting the child – in the mechanics of a screenplay, 
that was like the inciting incident, what would happen in the first like 15 pages. And that episode three with the Mandalorians flying in to save the day was kind of like act one climax. Is that we're now off into a new direction of story and the Mandalorian culture being in there because it was starting to – we touched on it in the first episode. We get more of it in the, in the third episode. The Mandalorians step up. I love one of those lines. It's like how could you call what we do being a coward because the way of our life – and I'm paraphrasing, but the way – the life that we've chosen would, would prove otherwise, right? Yeah. I love that we were getting the culture and that there was some kind of – they were against each other underneath, but then you get that – uh, what's the line that I'm looking for? Um, my God, this uh, I can't even remember. What does the Mandalorian say? Uh, so sh- it's like so shall be, but uh, uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, so say we all. Yeah, it's like it's along those lines. <laughs> right. I'm absolutely losing it. It just yeah, flew no, no, out of uh, my. F- I, uh, um, that's the way, or this is the way. This is the way. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. That became a thing afterwards. But now we're off into a whole new direction that we – one, and we got that great line at the end. I got to get me one of those, which is so great when he's looking at the jetpacks. But that the Mandalorian culture, which we're going to get great, more. Which is a great – we have, we have a callback with Jon Favreau coming in with another Vizsla character that was connected, I believe, to the Clone Wars. You can tell me otherwise. But that this world is now bigger because the Mandalorians helped him escape, and now this story is really taking off because he is wanted by not only the remnants of the Empire but the Bounty Hunter Guild. This The shit has hit the fan now. We are now into crazy story. There's no more walking in the desert happening. We are going to be on the move, and I think we're going to get longer episodes. I think they're going to be more detailed, more action. We're going to have more characters. Gina Carano's character I think is going to be introduced in the next chapter. We haven't even seen Giancarlo Esposito's character, which he's wearing Empire gear. He's got Death Squad troopers with him. They're going to be looking for the child. This thing is going to get nuts. How many episodes? I believe it's eight. Total? Eight total. So only five more? Yeah. I'm looking. I think it is. And then I want to get your thoughts on... Jedi Fallen Order, and then get the Super Chat because we're, we are late and people in the chat are like, we're not even going to get Super Chats. We're not even going to get Jedi Fallen Order. We're going to get all of it. We're going to get all of it. We're here for you guys. We're here for you guys. So um, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, the Mandal- uh, Episode 3 was fantastic, and uh, I can't wait for Look. Episode 4. Hey, guys, stopping the show real quick to ask you this. Do you love DC movies, shows, and comic books? Well, we have good news for you. DC Universe, the ultimate DC membership, is offering a special 14-day trial to our listeners. Visit dcuniverse.com slash podcast one. Spell it out, podcast one, O-N-E, and use promo code Collider to start your free trial. DC Universe has so much to offer, including the action-packed original series like Doom Patrol, Young Justice, Outsiders, Swamp Thing, and Titans Season 2. It doesn't stop there. The highly anticipated adult animated series Harley Quinn premieres on November 29th. Tune in to see Harley, voiced by Kaylee Kuoko, break things off with the Joker and attempt to make it on her own. Will she be the newly liberated queen pin of Gotham City? Catch new episodes on Fridays. If you want to experience more DC, watch new animated films, enjoy classic animated series remastered in HD, binge some fan-favorite DC shows, watch classic films, and so much more. If reading is more of your thing, DC Universe has over 20,000 digital comics that you can access all at your fingertips. DC Universe is available on your favorite devices so you can watch on the go. Don't waste any more time. Start your 14-day free trial today. Visit www.dcuniverse.com slash podcast one and use promo code Collider. That's www.dcuniverse.com slash podcast one, 
C-O-L-L-I-D-E-R-O-N-E. Use promo code Collider to start your 14-day free trial. This code is valid through December 31st, 2019. Rule of Two is sponsored by Warner Brothers Digital Networks, the operator of DC Universe. DC Universe is only available in the U.S. Episode three I thought was great because he makes a choice and you got that scene where he's like, Completely again, video game reference, right? You do missions, you get you, you get resources, you make armor. Right. He's got a full suit of Mando now, a full suit of Mando. That's so rad, you know. And, and like, he took the money, okay? No, oh, yeah. And I this did. is what, and this is to me what I thought was the coolest part about the episode. Um, when when he asks him, "What are you going to do with the kid?" Werner Herzog tells him, "You what?" No, 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 no. Oh, I thought somebody like you. I thought you were a freaking bounty hunter with right. a fucking code. Yep. You don't ask me that. Yep. And they, and to me, that that was great, you know? And somehow Werner Herzog in the back of his head, I think, always knew that that was, you know, the end. And when, when, when you see Carl Weathers, and I love Carl Weathers in this. I thought he's been doing a great job. When you see Carl Weathers and he asks him, what are they going to do with the kid? Again, it reminds him, you're breaking your own friggin' code. Right. Okay? So it's not going to be too long before he takes off the helmet because mm-hmm. he's going to break that code. So we will see Pedro Pascal at some point, I think. At some point, yeah. I agree. Um, and, you know, in his head, he's sitting on his ship ready to take off to do his next bounty. And he's like, you know what? I love the moment that he looked for the little. He looks for the he, little. He, ball. Gra- he goes to grab for the, t- and it's off. And it's off. And it reminds. It's just. It's those yeah. little things that. It's like is so great in the writing and the direction. Fuck the code. Yeah. Fuck the code. I'm gonna go help that kid. Yeah. Well, because he, for lack of a better term, he fell for this kid. Well, he, the kid saved his life. Kid saves his life. That was another moment in episode two that I loved. That he had his Captain America moment. He stood up again, and he was like. I'm going out. Right, right. I'm going out with this thing. Yeah, with a butter knife. With a butter knife, and that's when he used the force. But <laughs> so, I just okay. love that. So then he goes back and he gets the guy. I love that scene of the thing coming out of him ripping it. I, I love everything about that whole scene. Yeah, yeah. All that stuff is awesome. And then, of course, he's about to get his ass kicked again. Mm-hmm. Okay, third time, third episode. Mm-hmm. And he gets his ass pulled. He gets saved. He gets saved, but he was going down. That's what I mean by an ass pull in writing. Like, you right. paint them up against the wall, that the only way to pull them out of it is through an ass pull. But it was set up. It wasn't out of nowhere. It was set up because even though the, the other Mandalorians are not supposed to be seen. Right. And it was. They broke their, they broke their code. Their code, though, this is the way, is to, they, they stick together. Right. Because they were about to fight down there when he had that medal and they're like, it's going to draw unwanted attention. And. Sure enough, they walk over. They exist in the shadows. That's why everything's changing, and they set it up in that scene. Yeah. So it wasn't a coincidence. It wasn't like all of a sudden Luke Skywalker flew in and goes, hey, what are you guys doing down there? No, it was like set up in story that then just moves into the next direction, and the stakes have never been higher. And look, I love that they went jetpacks because there's a whole plot plot line in The Clone Wars. You've been cursing, but I'm going to do it. Fuck yeah, man. That was when I went, (laughs) oh, my God. Screamed it at the top of my lungs at six thirty in the morning, so I could watch it in time for the shows taping that day. Yeah, it was great. It was absolutely great. Oh. It had a little rocketeer in there. 
that one thing where he gave the you know like the head. <laughs> that was Rocketeer. Yeah, yeah. That if you're, was, if you're and, a Rocketeer fan, you know exactly where an, that came from. Thank you. It was an absolute nod. That was yeah, an homage. Yeah. Thank you to the Rocketeer. Thank you, Deborah Chow, for that. Yeah, a classic Disney movie. Look, Deborah Chow did a great job. Rick uh, Famuyiwa did a great job. I know I butchered his name. I apologize. Yeah. And Dave Filoni did a good job. I don't think. Look, I just don't think he had the craft. Of two and three. Well, he's coming back for episode five. Okay, good, good. And, so and like, if I'm... And, like, look, thank God for Dave Filoni, though, for putting in all the nuance because I know that that's him. That It's got to be him, and I'm yeah. so excited for his next. Yeah, uh, Dave Filoni is, yep, episode five. Bryce Dallas Howard directs the next episode. Oh, Dave Filoni yeah. does number five. And number six, Rick Famuyiwa is back. Deborah Chow does number seven. And then my boy Taika Waititi is going to take us out as the season finale, episode eight. So here's the question for you to end our discussion on The Mandalorian. Mm. Is Taika coming back as IG-11 this season? I think that droid is toast uh, unless they fix it and unless they do it this way where another IG droid comes and it's the same voice because they're all programmed that way. I can see it. But I think he's toast. Okay. I think he's gone. All right. So, look, guys, thank you very much for listening to us. I know it took a little bit while. It was three episodes. We did it as quickly as we can. Yep. Whole hour there. Yeah. Overall, it's a good time to be a Star Wars fan. I think so. And even though I wish the episodes were twice as long, it is what it is. And, and I think we'll get there. And, I, and, I, and I'm happy we, you know, we're getting these. Uh, we're already five minutes over. So what I would want to do is maybe let's end it. I know. Jedi Fallen Order, you've real quick your thoughts. Cody, why don't you set up and, and read us the super chats and we'll get through this and then call it a day. How's that? All right, so then go into Fallen Order a little bit. Do a little bit of Fallen Order because I haven't played it because I'm getting it for Christmas. I was told I cannot right. buy the game because it's a Christmas present that my fiance is going to get me. So God love her for that. But I can't freaking play this thing right now. Yeah, so look, maybe. Um... Okay, so look, I have so many thoughts about it yeah. because. I've been playing the game. I'm I'm at the end of like chapter three. I'm playing the game back and forth between Jedi Knight difficulty and Jedi Master difficulty. So the two, okay. like, so the middle one and the harder one. Okay. And the game is very challenging. It's fuck. It's hard. That's what I've heard. Okay. It's yeah. actually a very hard game, um, and it's kind of like a navigational puzzle jungle gym. Mm -hmm. You know, there's tons of like navigational puzzles. You've mentioned that to me, like Tomb Raider. Right, yeah, kind of, like, kind of not feel, but like Tomb Raider is what started it out. Okay, you know, it's a genre. It's a genre of games. Tomb Raider did it very well early on. Then you also have um, Uncharted uh, does it. Many games, uh, um, you know, the the earlier um, versions of uh, of um, of uh, Prince of Persia. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's like all these navigational puzzle games. Is it rubbing you the wrong way? It, it, it's they're cool, mm -hmm. and like every time it levels up to one level of complexity, you're like, oh shit! It's fun that I can do that. Like when you go wall walking from one wall to the next, mm -hmm. to the next, and then you swing across a rope, and then you land on a you know like on a friggin' slide, and then you end up swinging on another rope. You can string together some really cool, yeah. Uh, navigational puzzle to give you this like high action. And Uncharted too, I was assuming. Some yeah. people in the chat, Uncharted meets Dark Souls. Thank you, Thunder God. Ky uh, Cairo, sure. Yeah, so look, uh, Andy, I did play episode three, Vader Immortal. It's friggin' awesome. Absolutely <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, and I want to play that too. But, but Joseph, um, if you're saying that 
that uh, the game is perfect. I don't agree with it. I don't think the game is perfect. Yeah. I think that where the most entertaining parts about Jedi Fallen Order, it's actually the biggest surprise to me, is that the melee combat system, the saber combat system, is actually really good. Nice. That's all I care about. It's man. actually really good. I want lightsaber people in the face. However, I don't think they utilize it in a good enough way. All right. Because for you to get – and this is the magic of Jedi Knight because I can, I can accept that the saber mechanic in Fallen Order is much more advanced than the saber mechanic in Jedi Knight. Okay. But Jedi Knight knew how to use that saber mechanic incredibly well constantly inside the game. Mm-hmm. And in, in, um, in Fallen Order, since it's such a Frankenstein of so many different types of games, like the focus on the melee combat versus other melee users is very limited. Okay. And I just wish that they would have expanded on that a little bit more like Jedi Knight. And I know that you get to fight um, the second sister who's one of the uh, Inquisitors. Inquisitors and her little buddy. And then, like, I've heard some rumors that there's another big boss that you, f- that you don't fight but you see at the end. But saber combat is a big part of the game. Great. I just wish it was everything about the game. Okay. You know, like, look, maybe that's just my own personal weirdness. Well, you're, you, as long as I've known you, you've been – a big part of your experience is gaming. And you know when you tell me something about a game, I kind of trust your opinion because of where you come from, not only with Grand Theft Auto but just in your – you love VR stuff, Vader Immortal stuff that you're loving. I, I tend to listen to you, but at the same point, I got to play this thing. Not that I'm not listening to you. I need – I can't wait to play this yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And look, the story is surprisingly gripping. Good. The story is actually very cool. That's usually how I play my games. Like I love the Battlefront 2 yeah. story. But look, those are the first impressions. Let's do a full review. Okay. Let's do a full review of the thing. Sorry, guys, if we barely talked about it. But um, those... That's the show, man. We were talking the Mando. Yeah, we're talking the Mando. But look, everybody who's out there playing it, go play it. Actually, I'll drop this right now. We have a special guest coming in to play uh, Fallen Order. Okay? We do, yeah. Yeah, somebody who may or may not have been involved with Star Wars. Okay, it's a really good thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're coming in to play Fallen Order, so you can bet your ass that we will be playing a lot more of this game after you get your hands on it. Let's do a review on it. Sounds okay, good. Let's dig into it because I could talk for another hour just into this. I mean, I've been playing this game for fucking six hours or seven, eight hours already. Yeah, see, it's I, hard. It's it's difficult. I it's can't, very difficult. That's why over break, I'm going to be definitely playing it. So, all right, as we wrap it up here, Cody, if you want to grab. I don't know how many Super Chats, if you want to read them off. Yeah, we got about nine or ten. Nine or ten. All right, let's do it. Let's just do it real quick. Okay. Guys, thank you for the Super Chats. Thank you for the Super Chats, everybody. We're going to do our best to answer them right now. Go for it, Cody. Yeah, and next time – sorry, Cody. Next time we'll try not to keep the show this long. Yeah. Uh, and do it a little earlier so everybody gets their Super Chats. But now – I don't see a lot of people complaining in the chat, but here we are. Super Chat time. Let's do it. Here we go. First one is not really a question, but uh, Tasty Waffle says the Mandalorian feels like a wonderful combination of a Star Wars tabletop role-playing game session and a kid playing with his action figures. Yes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Tasty Waffles is kind of right on the money for yeah, me. I, Tasty Waffles, I'm totally with you. For me, it's a little bit just because of my experience. It's a little less tabletop, a lot more Star Wars Galaxies. But it's this show is literally Star Wars Galaxies. You do a mission. You get your steel. You make your armor. 
and you go pick up the next bounty. Great question. All Great right. statement. Thank you, Cody. Go. Up next is Brian Carroll's. Has when Disney first acquired Lucasfilm, we heard rumblings of a Yoda and Boba Fett movies. Curious if the Mando was their adjustment. Thoughts? That is a good call. I think with – definitely I think John Favreau wanted to do a Boba Fett series. And I think because James Mangold at one point, Josh Trank was going to do Boba Fett. I don't know if they have plans for it. I think Boba Fett will show up in this. So I think they did adjust. And I think the Mandalorian is kind of – what happened? Yoda, uh, I'm, I, I, I think Yoda was always talked about, but again, I don't think this has Yoda all over it. I think it's the species. I know, it's a clone, I know, we'll I know, see. I know. But look, uh, come on. I mean, we've talked about this on this show. You know, fake George Lucas on the Mandalorian trailer alludes to it. Also, it's like it's Boba Fett, it's Yoda, it's IG eighty eight. Yeah. Okay, but they're being refashioned. As new characters for new generation, mm-hmm. but we all know who they are, okay? And, and like, I just wish they wouldn't run away from it as much as embrace it. You know, like, why not have it be Boba back from the Scarlet Pit? And I don't know if you noticed, but in episode two, when he's walking up to the Scarlet Pit, I saw that guy. Or, or I mean, when when he's walking up to the cave of the Mudhorn, it looks like the Scarlet Pit. Oh, I didn't notice the that. Pit. I thought you were talking about when he was in, in episode one where there was in the shadows some Mandalorians. No, 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 no. I thought I saw both. In episode Fett. two, when he's looking at the at that hole. Could be another Sarlacc pit out there. It, it, I think it just was supposed to give you the impression of a Sarlacc pit, you know? I, I, echo. Yeah. I, I echo in the force. I think that Boba Fett, more so than Yoda, was planned at one point with with Trank. And that Favreau wanted to do it. He wrote it on spec, and I think the Mandalorian was Boba Fett the entire time. So, and I think they've made adjustments. Yeah. yeah so, and, great question. Yeah, great question. All right. Up next is Nick Webster says, "While I do enjoy the show, I think you could skip episode two of the Mandalorian and not miss a beat. <laughs> nothing except that Baby Yoda can use the Force. No, well, that well, that's the, kind of a big beat. That's the whole point. <laughs> I respectfully disagree because I love." Him uh, the yacht, shooting Jawas. 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 I love that we figured out that the Jawas like to sunbathe on the top of their sand crawlers. Oh, they have like – so cool. it feels like there's like some Vegas waitress walking over and offering them drinks and on the top It just felt there. like Star Wars, like, like the Jawas feasting on that egg. Yes, and I think that the whole point of that episode is him using the Force. It's all about the journey, not about the story beat. It's about getting to that moment. I knew it was coming, yeah. but it was the journey that I loved and enjoyed getting there and – we wanted the Big Mac. We wondered how the Big Mac was going to pop up in this. Yeah. This appeared and look, episode one. I, I will give myself credit for this one. On, you should. On Jedi Council, months ago, yep. I said the story will be that the Mandalorian will be a caretaker for a Force-sensitive child. I thought it was that kid in the trailer that yeah, turns out it, to be him. Shit, you might be onto something, dude. I, I think you did. I do. I, I look at, we, look, but look we at the talked tape. a lot about the Mandalorian having Force-sensitive somebody, something yes, in there. Yes, And I specifically said he's going to be taking of a Force-sensitive child in that episode of Jedi Council. I think it was the first Jedi Council I was ever on. Anyway. All right, roll the tape. we got to figure it out. So on to the next question. Thank you for that one, by the way. All right, this one's from Left Hand. says, was Django Fett's outfit all made out of Beskar, Besker? It's a great Beskar question. Armor. Yeah, it's I wonder if question. it is. We should go to the fact checker on that. We don't have one yet. We're, gonna, we're, looking, to, we're looking to find one. We'll get a fact checker in here sooner <laughs> or later. One fact that I want confirmed is I believe that Django Fett and Boba Fett are not Mandalorian. That they just wear the armor of Mandalorians, but they do not subscribe to the religion. I think it they're w- not from planet Mandalore. I think on Wikipedia it does say 
that Jango Fett was a Mandalorian warrior. Was he? Okay. I'm not sure if he was born in Mandalore, but that he that he is that he's described as a Mandalorian warrior. But I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Fact checkers. I don't know. It. If you guys want to jump in the thread there, let me know because I was confused. I I, I didn't know. Somebody said, "Hey, reminder, Boba Fett and Jango are not Mandalorians." And I went, "They're not?" So I need more yeah. info. Uh, I'm going to talk to our trusty pal uh Ken Napsock. Ace Cabrera and uh, Emma Fife, they will know. Yeah. Uh, next one. Thank you, Cody. Go All for right. it. All right. We got one from Ethan Nicholas. says, episode one, when Mando calms the beast, it's the same as Anakin in the arena in Attack of the Clones. Is this a Force-sensitive hint? Ooh, that's pretty damn good. I don't know. I think it's. I think that's an echo. I think it's just something when they're they're dropping in these kind of connections to the saga. I love that kind of stuff. What do you think? Um, I didn't, You know what? I... I think it crossed my mind, but I also took it as just like a a taming. I didn't think about Anakin with the other creature. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. I don't know is the answer. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't either. And real quick before we go on the next one, uh, neither of them are Mandalorian, says Thunder God. Uh, not Mandalorian, George Lucas said. Django in Legends was raised by Mandalorians, so they aren't, so they aren't Mandalorians. Uh, wait, sorry. Different one. Django Fett is from Concord Dawn. Django is supposed to be from Concord Dawn, but he's a faker. So he, yeah. So so, he, so he, we're hearing he Django. drives a DeLorean. He's not Mandalorian. I Django like is not officially that. Mando. Um, Boba is a clone of Django. Yes, I knew that. Django stole Mandalorian armor. So that could that's that's checking out to me. So yeah. thank you for that in the chat, Cody. What's the next question? All right, the next one's from McFreezy, who claims that George wanted another Luke "I am your father" moment, where in Revenge of the Sith he reveals Palpatine—sorry, Palpatine—to be Anakin's father, but it never made the final cut. I saw that in the chat. I like that idea. It makes sense, and yeah. it would be an, a very I've interesting. Heard I've heard that too. It would be a great, you know, kind of full circle thing to happen. Yeah, it was left purposely vague, and then apparently in the comics they did kind of. Confirm that that's true. Yeah, and look, and also there's been uh, word that you know Colin uh, Trevorrow said that uh, he um, Palpatine was not supposed to be in Episode Nine, not in his version, and then JJ and said then JJ otherwise. Said, you know, otherwise, and that he did consult with George about Episode Nine before it started writing. Yep, and that that George maybe confirmed this point that this uh, Super Chat is actually talking about, mm. that Palpatine is more involved in the bloodline than we ever knew. Yeah. We're going to find out, yeah. hopefully, in Rise of Skywalker. Great, Cody. What's next? All right. Brad Hoyt says, Filoni is humble and self-deprecating. It's a mistake to correlate that to his directorial talent. Plus, mm. where would you like the Star Wars movies to go after Episode Nine? So, look, fair enough. And um, I understand the point, and it's a good point. Um I just feel that there was some timidness, or that's not even a word, but there was a there was there was a, a lack of mastery of the craft in that first episode. It's just hmm. the way I looked at it. I mean, yeah. like, forget whether it's about Star Wars, forget whether it's about anything. The crafting of that episode, I thought, left some stuff to be desired, and maybe it's because of the way it didn't tie in as a solid piece. Look again, that ending—you could put that ending in front of anything. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be an awesome ending. Yeah. Because it's a True. creature that we care so much about. Yeah. That if you're a fan and you see that and you don't love it, you don't have a soul. I mean, you have your thoughts on the direction. I have mine. Right. I loved it. I thought he was heavy. I thought he knew exactly what he was doing. The only thing I noticed is that it felt like an animated episode, which right. is his strengths. But he did set up the, the through line of this first season. 
So I dig it. Yeah. And what and was the second okay. part of that question? What, what's, what's Star Wars going to look like after Rise of Skywalker? I, look, I think it's going to be all on television and video games for a long time. I don't think we're getting another Star Wars movie for a long time. However— I, th- I thought 2022, it might be much later than that. They said that they found a director for 2022 movie. They're going to announce it next year after Rise of Skywalker. I was talking to some people. Okay. Some people have said it you might drop, be Deborah Chow. You're dropping a scoop, okay? No. I just think it might be John Favreau, and I think that Kathy Kennedy will be walking off into the distance— Going like this because she's going to bring As a billions of dollars for, uh, yeah. from Rise of Skywalker release. Uh, it will. It's going to make – hopefully. Actually, I'll say that. There could be a scenario where the movie doesn't do as well as the last ones. But I think because of the, the end of the saga. But I think John Favreau, Dave Filoni, who were touted as being taking over the next kind of few years of Star Wars, I think that secretly they got John Favreau to come in, take over from Benioff and Weiss. I think we're going back to the beginning – Old Republic, First Jedi stuff that Benioff and Weiss were rumored to be doing. I think our, we're going to set our stories there for the movies. And then we're going to have Obi-Wan. We're going to have Mandalorian, Cassie Nandor, and somebody else. And I think in conjunction with yeah, that, lots Cassian, of TV. I, I still think Cassian's not going to make it. I, right. I don't know. Yeah. Right, next one. All right. Logan says, my bet is Yoda, Yoda saved the Mandalorian when he was a kid, and that's why he feels a connection to baby Yoda and because they are both foundlings. Ooh. The um, plot thickens. Say it again? So baby – or Yoda helped the Mando as he when he was a child. That's why there's a connection between the Mando as an adult now and this baby. So maybe there's something there. I think it's cool speculation. But Yoda helped him with a child – oh, back in the Clone Wars. Back in the Clone Wars because of that one um, flashback we got. That was Clone Wars period. Yeah. You know, you had one of the battle droids okay. taking him out. I wonder who saves him. That yeah, flashback keeps – You know, Actually, this writer has a good point because when he first sees him in the egg, he does seem to know what it is. Yeah. And, and, and everybody talks about it like it's something special. Right. Like everybody understands what it is. Mm-hmm. You know? Anyway. All right. Next one. It's just a quick one. Uh, Nick Webster said, was asking if you'd seen the ending of Jedi Fallen Order, but you haven't beaten that yet. So we'll nope. skip past that. Nope. I have not beaten that yet, so I have not seen it. And do right. not and spoil it for me. the last one. Then Max Bishop says, what's up, fellas? Question. Do you believe that the Emperor has to die in Episode Nine? If so, how does he die? It would seem to me that he's too powerful to be killed by Rey or Kylo. Could this mean the return of Luke in the flesh? <sighs> That's a loaded question, dude. All right. Take, take that one in parts. The first part. God, I hope that he's already like him not being dead. I think negates a lot of Star Wars that I grew up with. Um, okay, it, it's starting to hit me that way too. Now I know I've said though, Palpatine connects the entire saga. Yeah, I do believe in that, and I think it's good. So I don't know if he's going to be flesh and blood. It could be haunting like Force ghosts. Or something like, and I think that I don't know, man. Look, like, look. I'll be honest with you guys. I need to chill out on thinking about Star Wars: um, Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker, because everything I see just gets me more pissed off. <laughs> and like, I need to chill out. And like, the movie's and, about to come out in a few weeks. And everything I've seen, I am just you're loving over it over the moon. And this is my why friend. this show works because I think you're out of your mind. And I don't understand. I do. I I went on a on, on a text exchange where people were upset about the they fly now, they fly now, they fly now. I loved that. <laughs> yeah, it felt Return of the Jedi for me. Did it? Yes. Okay, whatever. So like, 
Forget all that stuff. I can live with they fly now. I have much more trouble saying, oh, guess what? The emperor's been alive this whole time. Here's the thing. I'm with you on that, though. I am definitely with you on that. It really negates Return of the Jedi. The whole sacrifice that Vader does for his son to become Anakin again. Luke, everything he fought for, the rebellion have fought for. I'm going to assume and I'm going to believe in J.J. Abrams that he had that in his head when they decided to pull the emperor into this. That there's something bigger that we don't know and it's not as simple as just, he's back everybody. That would be a little hard to swallow for me. I agree with that. Yeah, so look, um, we're going to sign off now. We will sign but, off. But uh, heroes and villains, man, these guys stepped up for us. Um, they're here to support us. Let's support them. Absolutely. Use our code RULE10 at checkout. They're doing Star Wars clothes. They're doing DC. Star Trek. Uh, Joker Batman. Joker Batman. They're doing Star Trek. I'm wearing a Star Trek shirt right now. You That's know? right. I got, you know. I'm down with You're it. You're representing. So, yeah, go yeah. to heroesvillains.com. Another, another franchise I'll tell you from. <laughs> heroesvillains.com. You can get 10% off as you check out. That's on top of all the promotions they have going for us. So if it's 30% off. For your booty haul that you're getting with all the good stuff, you can put an extra 10% and get 40% off. But remember, rule of two army, rule 10. Let's beat all the other shows because that's what we do here on rule of two. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. A nice long episode for you for this Monday on Collider Video. We're dropping it live every Monday at 5 p.m. And if you're listening on Podcast One Jedi Council feed, thank you for joining us there. Subscribe to All Around the Horn. Episode 68 is in the books. We'll see you next week. Rise.